Good afternoon to all of you who are here. I think it is about the same as last week. Um, very light attendance and uh, greetings to those of you who are looking online and I've gotten a few texts that the Zoom is cutting in and out, but um, hopefully we'll get that squared away. Um, I want to thank my wife for um, candidating to the office of deacon. She's been doing a wonderful job uh, <laughs> uh, trying to maintain the Zoom and the, doing these technical things as our uh, real deacons are uh, out. Um, what we thought we'd do is... Um, uh, Pastor Steve has a devotional thought he wants to give as we kind of go launch into this new year, and that I thought it would be good to talk about the topic of anxiety. There has been so many in our church afflicted with different things. Uh, COVID is obviously spreading like crazy, as we know. Next, you know, the cases are are way up there. Thankfully, the deaths aren't going crazy like they did earlier in the pandemic, but. Um, there's a lot to worry about. You think about the kind of things, for myself, I'll just share some of the things that, that, that cause me some concern and maybe burning too many brain cells uh, thinking about. But, you know, you think about the American citizens left behind in Afghanistan and how that whole thing went down uh, five or six months ago and just the inept leadership that went on there and, and those that are they're still trying to get out of the country um, you look at the frontline healthcare workers who were last year heroes, but this year, if they don't want to take an experimental vaccine, they're suddenly enemies and they're being fired. This kind of stuff is just not right. It's the, the world is saying what is, what's wicked is good and what's good is wicked. You think of the teacher unions calling the shots in many states as far as uh, the direction of the, the state governments. You think of Government waste, you know, we're printing money or your dollars and your savings account are losing value with each passing day and each passing year. And why is that? It's because we keep printing more and more and more. And so when you dilute the supply, but then you think of like the uh, relief payments that were given, uh, some of the bailouts, and, and you hear about billions of dollars sent to people who have died, people who are in prison. Even the Boston Marathon bomber received a $1,400 check, was able to buy some gifts for some family members. There's something wrong. <laughs> There's something that's just not right. There's a lot to, to be concerned about. You look at the political upheaval and that, how Russia keeps sending forces to Ukraine and the threat of a war, even there, yet again. You look at Kazakhstan and what's going on there. What started out as protests for high gasoline prices has now evolved into where the government, the last I heard, has said, we'll shoot on contact the protesters. Could that be a precursor for what's coming here? Are, are we seeing something before our eyes in a distant land that, that possibly could come here? Maybe. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. Runaway inflation, two years of COVID mandates, up and down, in and out, closed down, mask, no mask, all of these kinds of things. And the reality is, is that it's a real virus, and several of us have lost family members and friends through this COVID, and that's really sad. Now, we see how governments have taken advantage to that, uh, to push their agenda, but even currently, you think of those, that their, their jobs, their careers are on the line right now, 
and how we need to be spending time in prayer that the Supreme Court would rule on these mandates. Hundreds of thousands of people that have invested, uh, given into their 401k, have heard all kinds of horror stories of of how they're not even going to have access to their retirement, they're not going to let them have their health insurance, and, and that is coercion. That should grieve us when we see that. It's unjust. And I tell you, God is not pleased with it. Think of our children being shoved into a room and a, with a screen in front of their face for hours per day, for an, over an entire year. Some, even now, are returning to that. And the, the harm that that has caused, the depression, the anxiety amongst our children is at an all-time high. And um, I, I can tell you, just even in San Diego County, they can't hire enough therapists to keep up with the demand. The wait lists are several months long. The harm that's been done to them. You think of people who are struggling. Greg Withrow, faithful pastor of 40 years in Ohio. Um, his organs are shutting down. The last email I sent you, I haven't heard anything. I checked about an hour ago, but, um, you know, I, more than likely, <laughs> apart from a, a miracle, um, the Lord will take him and leave his wife as a widow and his children fatherless. Pastor John Leader right over here in Kearney Mesa, our own dentist, um, neighbors, friends, friends of friends, you know, this virus has taken their lives. You think of, um, you think of devastating occurrences that are often called acts of God. You think of the wildfire in Colorado that happened, like what was it, right before Christmas? Christmas Eve or something like that, and where, where normally there's snow on the ground and it's cold, there was dry and winds of 115 miles an hour. And our dear brother, Casey Polanka, sister's house was spared by that much. He sent out a prayer request. They were looking on the security cameras. There was fire all around from the security cameras. The house behind, the blast they saw before it went off was the backyard was on fire. And by God's grace, we have pictures, every other house around them destroyed, but their house was spared. I'm sure there's some damage. But a thousand people, or 990, or however many houses, completely destroyed in a moment, in a span of an hour or two. Think of hurricanes that come. Think of the people stuck on the Virginia Highway 95, Right when that blizzard came, the snowstorm, and they weren't prepared for it, and they're there for days and days. You don't schedule that into your your planner, into your Google Google planner. Eighteen percent of the U.S. population suffers from some anxiety disorder. I um, was checking statistics yesterday. Ironically, it's only four percent of the entire world, but. You know, countries that tend to have more prosperity tend to be more anxious and given to depression. Uh, Anti-anxiety and depressant, antidepressants uh, make up the top 10 prescriptions that are prescribed in the U.S. All different ones that treat in different ways. That's the top 10. 50 million prescriptions written every year. And of course, we would love to know how to just turn a switch, right, to where depression disappears and anxiety, those that have social anxiety or that are anxious, that it just goes away. There's been tens of thousands of research papers that have been written, um, countless blogs 
lots of ink, as it were, that's been, uh, you know, that's been spilt um, trying to describe this, but most ignore the greatest um, thing that's ever been written on it, and that's the Holy Bible. Uh, Charlie read for us earlier in, in Matthew 6, and what, these are from the words of Jesus. I mean, that's incredible. Do not be worried for your life as to what you will eat, what you will drink, for your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Three different times, or four different times in here, he says, do not worry for your life. Why are you worrying? Therefore, do not worry, right? And what's, what does he say at the end? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Look at the, look at the fields. They're not toiling, and yet God cares for them. There's two different ways to really handle difficulties, trials, anxieties in our our lives were, were born to uh, oppose them or at least try to control them. The mentality that I'm the master of my own destiny and I, I will have some type of control. But the reality is, is we have no control. One, COVID diagnosis. One, you're going on into the hospital on a ventilator. That cancer diagnosis, stage four, inoperable. You have two months to live. How quickly we realize we've got no control over these things. So the key is living a life of humility and submission to our sovereign God. When we become converted and we we become born again and we realize we're really nothing apart from what God has made us, we know that the antidote to anxiety rests in a life being centered upon the person and work of Jesus Christ. Walking in His truth, seeking to honor and glorifying Him, seeking the kingdom of God, trusting that all these things will be added to us. Um, I want to submit to you, uh, as we turn now to 1 Peter chapter 5, that freedom from anxiety begins with humility. Begins with humility. Let me read our text. Um, our text is 5b to, through verse 7 because it's an unfortunate chapter break, but I'll read from the beginning of chapter 5. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Our Father, we ask, O God, that you would meet with us even this day by your Spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding into this text. We pray that as we, each one of us, as members of this church, reflect on the last week and consider the levels of anxiety and stress that we've had that, that because of hearing the truths of Scripture, that this next, next week would be much more free from those things. So have your way, O oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, first of all, we need to walk in humility. And this, you know, the verse where it says, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders is really 
connected to the previous section there. He's addressing the elders, and then he's addressing the younger men. But here, Peter's moved from a discussion of specific relationships to a general application within interpersonal relationships. And he he tells us to clothe ourselves with humility. Who is this addressed to? It's right there in the text. Earlier, he's addressing the younger men, right? But then he says, and all of you, everyone, all of you, everyone that's reading this letter. And this word that he uses for humility is the idea of having a a humble opinion of oneself, to actually look low, not, 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 um, not in a negative way, but, but to, to see the littleness and modesty and the lowliness of mind that each of us has. It's having a, a deep sense of that, knowing that we are nothing. Paul writes in Philippians, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, that frame of mind, Regard one another is more important than yourselves. This is the attitude that we are to have. To put others first. To to consider their desires and their needs ahead of your own. The psalmist says, He leads the humble in justice, and He teaches the humble His way. Psalm 25 and verse 9. So, humility is a good thing. Humility is the hallmark of a Christian. A Christian, the one who has been born again, genuinely saved, one that's a child of the King, it should mark us. The minor prophet Micah says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. And what are those three things? We all know them. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Those are the things that we're called to do. Um, St. Augustine said, it was pride that changed angels into devils, those fallen angels, right? And he says, and it's humility that makes men as angels, not makes them angels, but as angels. And so, in our text here, he says, clothe yourselves with humility. That's that's in the imperative. That's a command. Um, that it's, it means to clothe like putting on a garment. Like when my wife put on her outer garment or sweater this morning, she put her arms through the holes and actually put it on. And that's really the nuance of this word. It's, it's like servants donning an apron, right, before they go to serve. Now, we have to remember this is Peter who's writing And did Peter just come up with this, or is he thinking about something in his own life? Remember that upper room scene? Actually, let's turn there. John 13. I think most certainly Peter has in mind when the Lord Jesus Christ girded himself and went and served them. It says in verse 3, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God He got up from supper and laid aside his garments. And taking a towel, he girded himself. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel with which he was girded. And look in verse 8. Peter said, Never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus said, If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. 
So this, this is indelibly printed in Peter's mind, no doubt. Verse 9, Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but my hands and my head also. And Jesus said, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Obviously, speaking of the betrayer. So I think Peter has that scene in mind, and it's a picture of clothing ourselves. And so as we think about walking in humility, we should think about it like putting on a garment. It's something that we're donning. We're, we're, we're clothing ourselves with that. And why is that so important? Well, Peter gives the motivation here by quoting from the Old Testament, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God hates pride. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's the exact same verse that James would quote in chapter 4 of his letter. And again, Paul in Philippians says, have this attitude in yourselves. What attitude? Which was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servants. We're to do the same, right? We're not emptying ourselves of, of, of anything like Jesus did in a sense. Jesus set aside his, his deity and, and his godhood privileges to be a servant for us and to be a substitute as a sinless one. Um, we can't do that, but we're to have this attitude as Christ had. Proverbs 8 and verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. I mean, how much more clear can it be? Or earlier in chapter 6, six things the Lord hates and pride is listed there as well. Proud people seek glory for themselves rather than giving glory to God. Proud people want to feel needed, want others to feel like, like they need them so much. And that kind of pride the Lord hates. The prophet Isaiah um, in chapter 57 says, Thus says the high and exalted one, the triune God, who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place. And, and even if it stopped there, it would be like, we worship you, you are holy, right? Holy, holy, holy. But he goes on and he says, and also, I dwell in a high and holy place, but also with the contrite, the lowly of spirit. Why? In order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. That, that's encouraging, a verse like that. We know God is altogether holy. We know God hates sin. But if we are covered with the blood of Christ, that His blood is applied and imputed to our account, we can have that confidence that He will be dwelling with us. What, is it, what do you make of this? Um, uh, my, therefore, humble yourselves. There's the next imperative. That's the command. That's the verb that governs verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Now, what is the mighty hand of God? I think it's speaking of God's complete sovereignty and His work in this world and in the lives of His people. 
And so in times of deliverance or chastisement or even in times of suffering and persecution, we submit because we're walking in humility. We submit because we know that He is sovereign and that He is in control. And then, um, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time. What's the proper time? Some take this to to think at the second coming that, you know, the rapture, he'll come and grab us and at that time. But no, I think this is like in the, in the here and now. And it's literally in time. So he exalts us in his perfect time. Perhaps looking at our heart, perhaps measuring the level of humility, the, the level of walking in the genuineness before the Lord. Um, he exalts us in his time. That may look like increased blessings, increased understanding of the Scriptures when you're reading, and the Word just comes alive, and you're like, I've never seen that before, and I've read it 20 times. That's the kind of blessing that is so encouraging, because it adds to our assurance. God is working in our hearts, that He knows us, and that deeper fellowship that we are to have with Him as He exalts us in response to our walking in humility before Him. When we're in the midst of trials and suffering and sickness and the danger of losing our strength and our courage and even having assurance is real. And so we need the promises of God and a promise of God like this. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God ah, that He will exalt you at just the right time. J.C. Ryle said, all the care in the world will not make us continue one minute beyond the time God has appointed for us. James 4.10, humble yourselves under the presence of God and He will exalt you. So Peter, here in our text, James in his letter, exhorts us to humility that we may be exalted. Now, they're not advocating some type of merit system Oh, I'm a 9.5 on the humility scale between 1 and 10. They're not advocating that at all or, or, or encouraging us to try to earn brownie points with God. It's nuts away with such thoughts. But this system would promote the very opposite if that were the case, which would lead to a false humility. So it's not a merit system. Later in verse 10 of chapter 5, he says, After you have suffered a little while, the God of grace, all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Think of those words, perfect. Does that mean sinless? No. It means we're complete. Uh, confirm, we're truly His child. Strengthen, we've got renewed strength, right? And then, established our feet are firmly established before the lord and that's what the lord does within us in a real way humility helps us to submit to god's providence no matter how dark the providence might be the loss of a job becoming homeless um, that diagnosis and, and whatever that is it helps us to submit to him and God never forsakes His own. We need to be reminded of that. That It may seem like He's distant, but he'll, he'll show Himself at just the right time that He will exalt you at the proper time. 
Luke 14, 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So even the teaching of Christ. Well, let's move to verse 7 now. Um, we must have a complete trust in God. It says, casting all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Once we've cultivated a genuine humility, we are free to cast our cares upon Him. You see, humility, as I said, is walking in submission to God. We're we're submitting to His providence in our lives, whatever that would look like. Therefore, if we have trust, complete trust in Him, it's easy to cast those cares upon Him because we know He cares for us. Now, this is not a, um, a, a new sentence. He continues with the command. Remember, therefore, humble yourselves. That's the main verb. That's the command. And, and so the key to enduring and finding strength in trials is having this confident trust in God. He's working a greater purpose that I can't completely figure out right now. He's doing something that, that I can't fully comprehend, but I know He is at work. Peter, no doubt, with these, this verse has um, Psalm fifty-five twenty-two in mind. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be forsaken. This idea of casting is it carries with it the connotation of uh, there's there's some new workout bag called the Wreck or something. I don't know. I see these ads. It's, it's, basically probably like an 80-pound bag that you pick up and you throw and all of this kind of stuff. I don't own one. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like that. It's casting it away from you, heaving it away. It's, it's the idea of propelling something from one place to another. And, of course, it's used figuratively here. But, but that we're, we're to cast our anxieties, our cares, upon the Lord. It's the same word that's used in the triumphal entry as Jesus's... Um, uh, entering, right? And, and they, they brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. So they were heaving, casting their coats upon the colt. Casting it modifies the, the command to humble ourselves. Part of humbling ourselves is walking in submission by casting these anxieties upon Him. The, the word that's used here is, is worry. Um, care and the the parable of the soils right you've got the the rocky ground here where the devil quickly takes that seed you've got the uh, shallow ground right it sprouts up quickly but then it quickly withers away right speaking of some that respond to the gospel favorably for a short time but then when trials come they wither away but on the thorny ground here the one that's just entangled with thorns that's also not converted um that's the word, this, this exact word is what's used there. It says in Mark 4, the thorny, thorny ground here, and the worries of the world choke out so that there's no good fruit. So, worry, anxiety, cares. What kind of cares should we cast upon the Lord? Everything. Everything that concerns you. Discouragements. Depressions. COVID fatigue. A lack of contentment, pain, suffering, financial hardships, despair over wicked governments, sickness, 
personal conflicts, all of these things we should cast upon the Lord. And why? Because he says, he says, because he cares for you. Isn't that beautiful? That, that, that tender term there that he cares for our needs. He gives us our daily bread. He sustains us. He protects us. We entrust ourselves to our Father's care as you see Jesus do all throughout the Gospels. And He was entrusting Himself to His Father. Isn't that beautiful? Every time that, that occurs, several times in the Gospels, entrusting ourselves to the Father because He cares for us. Isaiah 26, Charlie read it earlier, Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. Of all the religions of the world, with all the religious gurus of the world, biblical Christianity is the only one that teaches that the, our deity actually cares for us. You see, the Muslim doesn't have that confidence, right? As far as Allah goes, nor any other religion. But biblical Christianity, this book tells us of a God who's went and... First of all, in, in, in eternity past, the covenant of redemption planned to create a people, to love these people, to elect many unto life. And then he's covenanted to care for us. One commentator, Hendrickson, says, Anxiety has a debilitating effect on our lives and results from our loss of confidence and assurance. If we doubt, we assume the burden of worries and demonstrate a lack of faith. You say, how, I guess I could have just maybe shortened 10 minutes of what I was sharing and just read that, but you see how that's interconnected. That if we have that the trust and, and confidence in the Lord and we're walking in humility and we're submitting to His providence, our anxiety load will be light. Well, I'd be remiss if we don't turn to Philippians 4 just for a moment. I wanted to I'll read this other familiar passage, really sort of a parallel um, text, and I think we're all relatively familiar with it. <clears throat> Philippians 4 and verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, for Paul, what he's saying, first of all, be anxious for nothing, right? It's kind of worded in a, in a strange way. In other words, let nothing make you anxious. But what does he do? He tells us to replace anxiety and worry with prayer right it's an encouragement to pray and so he says be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication but then take the salt shaker and add the seasonings of thanksgiving on those requests as well season it with thanksgiving so that, uh, that what the hymn writer says is so true what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Those that are spiritually stable respond to trials with thankful prayer. 
Now, I know it's hard sometimes to uh, bring our petitions with thanksgiving, but we have to remember again, He cares for us. He's sovereign. He, he's not going to forsake us, so we can thank Him even for those things. And he says here in the end of verse 6, let your request be made known unto God. You're not informing God, right? God already knows what you need, but he wants to hear his people cry out. He, he, he takes great delight in hearing us articulate our needs to him. See, we can't control everything, but as Christians, when things happen that produce worry, uh, we can cast those upon the Lord. And then look at verse 7, this beautiful promise. And the peace of God. <laughs> the peace of God which the world does not understand. Right? The peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your what? Hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. True peace. It's a beautiful, beautiful promise. So, just a couple thoughts of conclusion here. Let's be those that cast our cares upon the Lord. Um, there's been different anxieties and stressors and things that we've been praying for for some time in different ones of our lives, and, and God comes through. He answers. And, and if it's not even a, and the way we would say this is my top way I would like to see this unfold, He gives us grace to submit. Keeps us humble. Many have weak faith, and they don't understand that carrying the backpack of cares and, and being loaded down with anxieties and, and all of that actually causes us to have less assurance in God. There are so many who I'm concerned with of our people that their jobs may be on the line. Uh, they, uh, we, we don't know what the, the future holds. How about the anxiety of constantly being exposed to COVID but not knowing if you have it, right? <laughs> and, and trying to find a test is... Some of our brothers have been struggling even to find a test. That, that can produce anxiety, for sure. All of us, at times, can allow circumstances in our lives to make us anxious. We can try to, to fix our own problems. Only later do we remember that our God is sovereign. He's in control. We should go to Him first in prayer. The Scottish pastor Thomas Halliburton, excellent biography if you are looking for a good biography to read. He said this, to carry care to bed is to sleep with a backpack on your back. You know? And think about that. Ah, it's kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> it's because I'm carrying all this care. So just mentally, you're clo- well, we've got the image, right? Clothing ourselves with humility as we go to bed. Take off the invisible backpack of load and loads of you know worry and all of that, and set it aside. Well, let's uh, let's take a, a few moments and pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that it does not return void. We thank you, O oh God, that you are a God that can be trusted. Increase our faith, O oh God. Lord, forgive us when we want to carry so many cares and stressors and concerns and worries and all of that because we think that somehow in our finite, weak strength that we can have some level of control over them. Lord, help us to cast our cares upon You, trusting You in all things. Lord, You know that uh, there's so many in our church that are suffering, that are ill, that are sick, that are... Um, struggling with proper employment, that 
so many various things, even relationship struggles, Lord, we pray that you would draw near to each and every one, especially these that have been sick for some weeks. Uh, we just pray that you would draw near to them. We think of the Calabresis still fighting the sickness. We think of Abraham and Bernice as well. And just uh, we thank you that even though um, their mom tested positive, that she's actually doing quite well with all of her health. Pray for Jonathan, Yassel, and the kids. Please be with them. Be with Joshua and Leslie. We thank you that Joshua's almost 100% now. And we're concerned for our sister Arlene and, and even Ed. Uh, this COVID is hitting Ed very badly. And Lord, we pray that you would allow the medicine to kick in and even perhaps other medicines that you would bring healing. Um, be with uh, Emily as well and, and Arlene there. Uh, we think of Britta, We're th- we thank you that she's out of that care facility and now home, and we just pray for continued healing. We thank you that you've protected her. Um, those places can really be super spreader places, and so uh, we thank you for that. We thank you for bringing Florin and Alina and uh, the girls back from New York, and um, that even as they still struggle with some symptoms and sore throats and coughs and loss of smell, Lord, that you would restore them uh, back to health. Lord, we think of uh, Tamara and Jaime, and, and Jaime, they're both sick, but Jaime's pretty, very sick, and so Lord, we pray that uh, uh, you would just bring healing, that you would touch him. We think of Matt Zaborski as well, and we ask that you would uh, just be with our brother there, and he desperately wanted to be here after being in Ohio a couple weeks, but uh, has picked up symptoms and has been around people with COVID, and so Lord, thank you for your kindness and protecting us, even um, we are indebted to you, and we thank you, Lord, that you have largely spared our church uh, from the coronavirus. But Lord, um, we know that it's not done, and we know that it continues to spread, so help us to act wisely. Help us to um, not be those that would be guilty of uh, spreading it uh, senselessly, and um, Lord, we just pray that you would uh, keep us. We do pray that this next week, oh God, that you would have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.